Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, 29th of April, and the weather is looking rather good in Melbourne for the weekend. Our market this morning doing okay. We were up 31 points yesterday. Today, we are up another 14 points. We're up nearly 4% for the month now. Futures this morning were up 18. Dow Jones was down 165. Technology sector down. Energy sector up. Gold sector looking okay today, despite a $5 fall in the gold price. Newcrest has had some production numbers. They're up 2.3%. Results continued in the US. Apple up 2.3% on results. Boeing down 2.8%. Facebook up 6.2%. Qualcomm up 5.5%. Some of the sales numbers for Apple's products are just incredible in a quarter, single quarter. Anyway, FOMC US Central Bank meeting is out. And the market didn't really react too much. They were talking about no tapering yet. In other words, tapering means slowing down their asset purchases or their bond buying. And as I spoke about yesterday, Canada finally announced last week that they were going to reduce their purchases of bonds and other assets by 25% a week. FOMC in no mood to do that yet, still a significant COVID risk, although I think they actually changed their rhetoric a little bit from COVID risk to something more mellow in this statement. Inflation, they're suggesting, which picked up last month, was a blip and more a blip because of last year's comparative number and is unlikely to be sustained. Employment's improving. They upped their GDP expectations. The basic message was that recovery is happening, but they still need to manage it, not abandon accommodation just yet. Oil price up 1.5%. Goldman Sachs have got some research out saying that they expect the copper and oil price to continue going up. Iron ore price was down 1.8%. Biden's got a speech coming up on tax. Powell looks like he will, Jerome Powell looks like he will be re-nominated as Federal Reserve Governor. There's talk of an AGL merger with Shell thought to be looking at a demerged AGL. And the CPI number yesterday in Australia was quite subdued. It's actually led to people talking about the RBA expanding their bond buying program. Anyway, another steady day on the market. One feature is Woolworths down 3.4% on its quarterly sales numbers. I'll come to that in a minute. Right, yesterday I was talking about risk and how you measure it. And you measure it by looking at how volatile a stock is. And one way to do that is looking at the average true range. Don't be put off by this. It's really very simple stuff. Worth getting your head around how to to assess risk on a particular stock. And there's a thing called average true range, which means how far a stock moved or the range a stock moved in over a particular period. So in a day, if a stock peaks at a dollar ten and bottoms at a dollar, you can say it moved in a ten percent range. So the average true range of that stock would be ten cents because that's the difference between the top and the bottom of the trading range that particular day. And you can do that over any time period. The most useful one probably is to look at the average true range over a week. And so what I've done, so for instance, the CBA over the last, and what you do is average the last 14 weeks. So you look at the average true range over 14 weeks, 
the last 14 weeks and, and average it. So the CBA in the last 14 weeks has moved on average $3.15 per week from top to bottom. Now you can obviously get a gauge therefore of how volatile a stock is compared to other stocks by looking at that and expressing it as a percentage of the share price. So $3.15 is 3.5% of the current Commonwealth Bank share price. So the CBA is moving 3.5% from top to bottom each week. Now at the other end of the scale, if you look at the top 200 stocks, and all these numbers are in the strategy piece today. If you look at the top 200 stocks, Zipco is moving 17.3% a week. So it's moving $1.38 from top to bottom each week over the last 14 weeks which is 17.3% of the current share price. So you can see Zipco or Zip is a lot more volatile than the CBA. So I've put in the strategy piece today a list of the 20 least volatile stocks in the top 200 stocks by market capitalization. And the least volatile is CBA. And there are a lot of other stocks you'd expect to see in there, which are mostly big stocks. So Woolworths, ASX, Wes Farmers, National Bank, Westpac, Telstra, a lot of infrastructure utility stocks, Spark New Zealand, Osnet Services, Spark Infrastructure, and some property trusts like BWP Trust, which is the Bunnings Property Trust. Macquarie's in there, Coles. You have, have a look at the list in the strategy piece today. So these are the stocks that your cardiologist would recommend. Now, if you look at the other end of the scale, I've produced a list of the, it's not 20 actually, it's 30 most volatile stocks or most risky, you could call them stocks in the top 200. And you'll see in there a regular list of what you might consider to be the hot stocks or the stocks that people are most interested in. And it's telling you that people gravitate to stocks that move a lot. So the most volatile are Zip, Appen, A2 Milk, PointsBet, Nickel Mines, Afterpay, Linus, Regis Resources, NetWealth, Challenger, Corporate Travel, Webjet, Hub24, Flight Center, AMP, and the list goes on. IDP Education, another one. Oracobre, Megaport. And those are the most volatile stocks. So I'm not sure what you're going to do with that, but it is more a lesson on how to measure risk. And although it's second nature to me, it may come as a bit of a surprise to you that you can do this and you can therefore choose if you're long term or short term or looking for trades, you can choose how much risk you take. I've also done a list of the most volatile stocks in the All Ordinaries Index. So that's 500 stocks instead of 200. And the most volatile is Greenland Minerals. There you go. I'm not sure you're going to learn much from that. Of stocks that we've heard of, Split It, Miso Blast, Redbubble, Tesserent, Zipco, Kogan, OpenPay, Ecofiber, Brainchip, amongst others. Right, that was a lesson in risk. Right, let's move on to more relevant stuff to investors. Peak earnings risk. Now, Coles told us as long ago as February with the February results that the pandemic-inspired boom in earnings was not going to last forever. And they warned about peak earnings. And since then, the Coles price has fallen about 12%. But this is a phenomenon that is going to run through the market, through the pandemic 
pandemic beneficiaries the message that the earnings boom is not going to last forever. And in the last week, we have seen quite significant corrections in Kogan, Redbubble, Temple and Webster, even Netflix, which have fallen recently on quarterly sales numbers. Temple and Webster told us margins were going to return to pre-COVID levels, so down from 9% to 2% or 4%. Redbubble fell 23% on its quarterly results, showing a loss for March. And Kogan saw EBITDA fall 42%. And all those share prices have corrected. From the top, Kogan's down 59%. Redbubble, 44%. Temple and Webster, 29%. Netflix is still up near the top, but it fell 7.5% on results in the US. So this is really a bit of a warning that I, I could go through 100 stocks here that were pandemic beneficiaries. But really what you need to do is look through what you hold and ask yourself, am I holding a pandemic beneficiary? In which case, from what's happened to Temple and Webster, Redbubble, Kogan recently, you probably have a heightened earnings risk. The mere fact that it's taken a set of results to highlight the problem suggests that a lot of other companies are still sitting on the message that earnings have peaked. So I've put in a list of pandemic beneficiaries for you. See if you hold any of those. And you should really just have a look through and scan which companies you think in your portfolio are at risk of a pandemic peak in earnings and have yet to tell us about it. It's not, they're not necessarily a sell. Each company will have its own experience. It's not necessarily making all these stocks a sell. It's more putting you on alert. So some stocks you possibly need to be on alert for. Nick Scarly. It was $8 before the pandemic. It's now $11 up from $3. How many sofas can you buy? ARB Corporation. There's been an automobiles boom. How many bull bars do you need? Adairs, that's still flying. That's up 83% since the pandemic began. I mean, how many times do you need to replace your home furnishings? Actually, probably quite often <laughs> towels and sheets and that sort of stuff. But that's still running along. Beacon lighting, how many light fittings do you need? They're up from 40 cents to $1.80. Self-wealth, this boom in new traders in the stock market is going to end. All those pre-millennials putting their stimulus checks into the stock market need to get back to work. Super retail, that's boating, camping, fishing, super cheap auto, rebel sports. That's been a big beneficiary and it's hitting all-time highs, is that now? Up from $4, no, below $4 to $12. But that's been benefiting from a domestic holiday boom, a home sports boom, which of course might just continue. I don't think international travel is coming back anytime soon, but clearly they have seen a, or they have been a beneficiary of the pandemic. Adore Beauty, this is the company that listed, does lots of skincare products, listed perfectly in October last year in the middle of the pandemic boom, listed for a market cap of 635 million, whilst it was making a $1.5 million loss. On that basis, Marcus today is worth an infinite number of billions. And that share price is down 29% since October. It's another one that has taken advantage of the pandemic. JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman. If you already have your home office set up, you don't need to do it again. In any way, some companies are now insisting on a hard return to work. Notably, JB Hi-Fi, when they announced that their CEO was going to Premier Investments yesterday, JB Hi-Fi refused to give guidance because of the uncertainty of COVID. 
Anyway, their share price is still up there. We actually sold them almost perfectly at the top just recently. Harvey Norman also possibly coming off the top as well. Wes Farmers, great beneficiary of the pandemic. Food, people are cooking at home instead of going out. Liquor, everybody's getting drunk at home. Bunnings, improve your home. And Officeworks, set up your home office. So they have been a huge beneficiary. The PE on Wes Farms, I've got a chart in the strategy piece. The PE on Wes Farms has gone from an average of 12.96 up to 26.6. In other words, it's doubled. I don't want to scare long-term investors out of Wes Farmers. It's a quality stock. But the PE has doubled. I've also got Coles and Woolly charts, Woolies charts in the strategy piece today. Then there's buy now, pay later. Afterpay is already down 26% from the top. Zip Money or Zipco down 42% from the top. And Domino's Pizza is up 63% from its pre-pandemic price. Of course, we may not need another bull bar or another sofa, but we will, we can never get enough pizza. So maybe that's not a sell. But the PE there, which has averaged around 26 times, is up to 43 times at the moment. I could go on. Bottom line, all you need to do is try and assess your pandemic beneficiaries' risk because if you haven't noticed, there is a theme that the stock market's coming to grips with at the moment, which is called COVID is over. As I say, you don't go and sell these stocks. You sell when the market wakes up to the risk when it happens. But for the cautious investors out there, you might just be selling ahead of results just in case you get a Kogan or Red Bubble reaction. Right, that's about it. As I leave you, market up 10 points. Woolworths down 3.1% on those sales numbers. You see there's another pandemic beneficiary telling us it's all a bit toppy. Dow futures up 31. As I leave you, you have a fabulous day and I will speak to you soon. (laughs) 